0: The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you.
1: I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings
2: down will hear all
0: of us soon. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's great to be together and a lot happening. We'll get to most of it, much of it, some of it, all of it. I don't know. But whatever, we'll see what we can do. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Pro-AmericaReport.com, pro report.com If you go there, you'll sign up for the daily email, the daily wink that's going there, uh, and you will be very pleased. Trust me, 8 o'clock East Coast time, 5 o'clock uh, uh, Pacific time, and everywhere in between, you know, they do it all at once. Uh, you get an email in your inbox Monday through Friday in the morning. It gives you a couple of links, a couple of pieces of information. And most importantly, in my mind, what you need to know, which is the wink is what's happening that maybe you didn't see and you can put things together. Today's wink is like a light, it was like a light bulb going on for me. I just suddenly realized something and I was like, oh, I got it. And that is this Biden and Romney share the same disease. It's called presidential fever. It's presidential fever. And and I have been up until now, I have been saying that presidential fever is only something that strikes. It's like a malaria. It, it gets in your bloodstream. It never gets out. I thought presidential fever was only people that ran for office for president and got close enough and they never were the same. And you you can think about this. There's a John Kerry has presidential fever. Hillary Clinton has presidential fever. John McCain had presidential fever. Presidential fever is especially acute. If you run and get the nomination, Mitt Romney, you get the nomination of your party and then don't win. You were that close. You were head to head. The other guy won. You know, McCain and Romney, they watched Obama win Hillary who Trump wins. And here's the thing. I guess I have to say Even Trump has presidential fever because he's out of office. He wants to be in again. That's not normal. People don't necessarily want to run for president. So but here's the great thing. Mitt Romney quit yesterday from the U.S. Senate, and he quit because he thought he could go be a senator and people would care. And, and he, they don't know. they don't care. He is not persuasive. He's not. In fact, he's now really a, a I, I don't want to be too harsh, but he's kind of a repulsive figure. If you watch him speak, he's so contrived. He's like a robot. His hair is clearly dyed in a very specific way. It's just a. it's just not it's like from a different era. And, and so I should say nice things about him. He's not going to run again. He'll go out of office, although he's being nasty to everybody on the way in. But here on the way out. But here's what I want to say. I figured it out. They're trying to get Biden to quit, but he's got presidential fever. The only thing that stops presidential fever is death or being termed out. Obviously, in other words, you get my point. Once you get presidential fever and to be clear, some people will get presidential fever uh, by um, running and having no chance, not succeeding, but they'll sort of never be the same again. I mean, I I don't I you know, Jesse Jackson comes to mind, Al Sharpton, and then he run for president. There's some people they look like more fringe characters, but they're never the same. Romney is an example. And and the only thing that gets it is, is being term limited out or death. You'll still think, oh, if they just got wise, Mitt Romney actually had the gall to stand up and say to people, I'm the leader of the wise wing of the Republican Party. And the Republican Party that follows Trump is demagogues, meaning that's that's a word for he hates them. If you're if someone calls you a demagogue or a populist like Romney, that means he hates you. That's disdain. That's it's condescension. And so the best news is he's not running. So people won't associate him with the brand. The bad news is he's still going to be quoted all over the place for the next year and a half while he's still in office. And it's but my point here is he has presidential fever. It gets in your bloodstream. You're never the same. You know, you're you're you just are not everyone else around you is broken because you weren't given the chance to be president. So Biden is a loser. That's what Romney says. I happen to agree with that. Uh, Trump is a loser. Everybody's bad. Obama was bad. Everybody, everybody compared to what Romney uh, imagined for himself in the presidential fevered state is bad. And so he's criticizing, by the way, though, Biden. That's where it gets interesting. At this point, Biden clearly should quit. I mean, he he should be able to see and his family should be able to see that it's just time to go. It's time to end this, but he won't do it. So why won't he do it? Well, it's presidential fever. The presidential fever is, is in him and he's saying, wait a second, I'm here. I won. I, I I'm doing this. I can do it. Don't tell me I'm too old or tired or not good enough. I mean, if he was 60 instead of 80, Some people would be saying, and I think very seriously and forcefully, you're bad at the job. It's not just that he's old. It's not just that he's really seems to have diminished. He's bad at the job. He was an okay senator in the sense that he he didn't do much damage to himself or others. But that was, it was like he was the king of that island. He was the, he was the senator of that world, that, that piece of his puzzle, his staff and his campaign and his, his family of uh, lobbyists and, uh, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the Biden crime family. But being present, he's not good at it. And the reason, and the, the, one of the ways he's not good at it is he's letting everybody else do things that are way outside of what's good for the country. I, and I don't think it's only because he's tired and, and addled. I do want to mention, by the way, remember the photographs? Like you see George W. Bush when he goes into office and then you see like just two years later, how much it ages him. And the same thing with Obama, Bill Clinton. That, that job is so intense. The weight of the world is on your shoulders. It is so intense that it, it, it is heavy on everybody. So when someone says, Oh, well, you know, Obama got gray during his time and and, and Clinton got gray and uh, looked gaunt and, uh, and, and, you know, uh, W. Bush aged amazingly. Think of what it's doing to Biden. So my point is that the weight of this on him at 80 is is a different kind of impact, but he's not good at the job, but he's got presidential fever. And when presidential fever strikes, you you just don't understand why anyone else should or could be president, that you are the uniquely gifted one that has the ability and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And that's what's going on. And so the Washington Post has a couple of columnists, I think at least two. David Ignatius, we're sure. I think one other one who wrote very specifically, it's time to dramatically consider getting out of the race. You have a uh, certain uh, quiet, uh, less prominent Democrats in elected office talking about that Biden shouldn't run. You have more and more of the media saying i mean uh on msnbc which is you know pretty far left obviously and pretty much in the tank for anything except uh any as as long as they can oppose trump uh but they actually had uh, bill maher on on one of the programs i saw him talking and he basically said well the biden's it is total corruption it looks terrible you know he didn't even say it looks terrible it is terrible it's full-blown corruption you know there's an impeachment inquiry and and maher is basically like you know how can this go on course he segued and then sort of said but it's nothing compared to trump had no examples of trump it just was trump 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 but when the msnbc is saying out loud that there's corruption in the biden family that's getting awfully close to saying you can't run and it's getting awfully close to putting the president in a position where he can't run because why because he won't yield if by now he had said, you know what, I'm just not going to be able to do this a second term. I'm gonna, I'm gonna set up my president. I want to set up my presidential library. I want to, you know, have these things with my family. I've, you know, I'm, I'm in my 80s. I'm gonna, you know, I, I, statistically, I might have 10 years, 15 years, but statistically, it could be five. I'm not gonna do this. And if he'd done that, I think by now they would lionize him. In fact, they would lionize him, and he would be able. This is a real mistake of his. This is a, a Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, error of epic proportions. It looks like. But if Biden quit right now, if he said, you know, I just want to go and do my presidential museum, the the Democrats would be able to go and the Republicans would be tripping over themselves to give him money to set up his uh, presidential uh, library, you know, put it in the budget. Oh, yeah, we're, we'll go up to Delaware. We're going to put a huge center and all that stuff. They'd be tripping over themselves. They, they, you know, they would. They would love it. They they, they 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 wouldn't want to put a nickel towards the Trump presidential library, but they would do it. And so he because he hasn't yielded because he won't go. There, It's getting more and more tense, but it doesn't matter because when you have presidential fever, you can't cut through it. You know, I often quote Cernovich. Mike Cernovich, uh, his Twitter feed is so good. If you go to at Cernovich, that's all it is on Twitter on uh, on X. And um, he said something like the, uh, the Democrats are going to cheat in 2024. They just don't know how. And he went on. This is Cernovich's point. He said they're desperate, though. You can see it. They're they're pushing Biden out, trying. They're trying to find some way to get him to get out because they know Kamala Harris is even less popular than uh, Biden. And so they're trying to, sorry, I might have said Trump there. They're trying to push Biden out. And so this is Cernovich's point. And he says, and they're indicting Trump over and over again. And his point, which is a good one, is they seem a little scattered and disorganized. Whereas in 2020, they fortified that election. That's their term. Or maybe their journalist, Molly Ball's term. They fortified that election very systematically. They had sets of plans to influence the law, to manage the media, to suppress the truth. They had a really good set of plans to fortify the 2020 election. That's the term they used. They say they didn't cheat. A lot of us think they cheated, but they certainly used all hundreds and hundreds and billions, I suspect of dollars to do this systematic focus. They seem disorganized now. That's Cernovich's point. But when I watched Romney lecture the Republican Party, and when I see Biden clearly not up for the job, you say to yourself, how can these people act like this? And the answer is presidential fever. And you watch Hillary. Hillary's got it. You can see it all the time. She, she acts like she should be president uh, you know, today. Uh, all right. We got to run. We take a break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'm back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to talk to John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, writes a weekly column, the Phyllis Schlafly Report. We call it the Schlafly Report now that Phyllis Schlafly has uh, gone to her reward. And John and Andy Schlafly continue the weekly column available at townhall.com, uh, but also archived over at Uh This week's column, Leftist Math Doesn't Compute. So welcome back, John. How are you?
2: fine ed good to talk to you today
1: well good good to and- talk to you too that john before we get to the oh. column uh ken paxton uh, you and i both spent some time earlier this week extolling his uh virtue as an attorney general of texas who stood up to uh the executive branch stood up to the powers that be etc and 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 we really he has been impeached in the republican-led texas house and senate the, the legislature and he's going through the impeachment trial i i, I know we were talking there's not much News about it, but uh, any thoughts on in general on the topic and and underscoring? I know you're a you've been a big uh, fan uh, observer of what he has been doing. Give me give me your perspective.
2: Well, uh, Ken Paxton, attorney general, has been one of one of the two or three best state attorney generals. Uh, he's done tremendous work out of his office on many areas and uh, been a leader. President Trump has supported him, endorsed. But the Republicans, who are led by some shadowy, dark-money people who don't like Trump, but who back Governor Abbott, are trying to get rid of Ken Paxton. So it's unfortunate. It's all proceeding in secret really in the texas state senate because the senate adopted a rule which imposes a gag order on all the members of that public body which is outrageous that was a challenge was brought before the fifth circuit to uh invalidate the ga- gag order but i uh, you know i don't know where that stands as we speak here now
1: how can the gag order be um uh, how can that be allowed i mean especially I don't for- see
2: how it can be allowed and yet of course the State Senate is a legislative body, and there's some sense that, of course, in the federal Congress, the Constitution provides that each House will be the judge of its own members and can expel a member on the basis of a two-thirds vote. Now, that doesn't really apply to the Texas Senate because they're not expelling one of their own members. Rather, they're impeaching a statewide officer who was reelected by an overwhelming margin just last November. So, you know, it's a power play. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah. It, well, it boggles my mind. If um, one of the state senators spoke out, what would he be held in contempt of his own body? Is that what they do? I mean, it's not. a Well,
2: it's... there's actually a, 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 he could possibly be sent to jail for six months. That's wow. what the rule provides. And it's outrageous. It's what lawyers like to call a prior restraint. Yeah. And we're not supposed to have prior restraints under the First Amendment precedents of the U.S. Supreme Court. So, We'll see what the fifth circuit does with that.
1: And especially actually on speech it's not even uh it's not like uh you know i, I have I have argued that yeah. some of what you're seeing in the it's january not like
2: burn, it's not like flag burning you're right it is yeah. actual speech
1: actual speech i mean there's not a you're not saying oh is this speech no it's speech, you're just saying it's the kind you don't want I've actually uh, thought that some of the charges in the january sixth this um so called obstruction of official proceeding some of that has been is speech uh, in the sense that uh you you're charging for charging someone for s- saying something and and and, and claiming that that was a contribution to stopping a proceeding. Anyway, that was, so this is, uh, I, I, but I'm a little surprised now, John, there's at least nine, maybe 10 serious Republicans, uh, already that are known before they went into this. Couldn't one of them challenge it and go ahead and say, I'm going to talk and then get charged? I mean, I guess you just don't want to be bothered. I don't know. It, it feels to me like that might be a, a fight to have, but let's move on, John. I want to get to the column. Uh, John and Andy schlafly's column this week. Uh, we're back to school. A lot of kids are back studying. I know my kids are back studying. And so here we are leftist math doesn't compute you're telling me john i read the column of course but you're telling me uh that the even the the wokeness got into math
2: yes and uh this is our back to school column and of course uh, my co-author uh my brother and i both studied math and science in high school and college and uh So we focused on the dumbing down of math education in middle and high school. And if the students are not taught algebra before they get to high school, basically they'll never be able to have any type of a technical or STEM career. And yet, uh, this is what the schools are doing. Instead of allowing the smarter kids, the kids with aptitude for math, to move more rapidly into more advanced material, they're putting everyone in the same class And that's called detracking, or sometimes it's called leveling.
1: Leveling, yeah, I saw that term. Uh,
2: All students in the same class... That means the class will never get to the advanced math material that you need in order to have a STEM career. You've got to make it possible for the kids who are brighter, let's face it, let's be honest, and have aptitude for math to progress faster in separate classes. That's the only way that we can have our technical you know, achievement in our country. And yet the liberal ideology can't stand that. They can't stand the idea that some people, some students... Uh, are able to do higher math at at younger ages, and so, therefore, nobody can be allowed to do it. And that's what the schools are doing. Now, there's a lawsuit that's been filed in San Francisco, of all places, by 50 parents in the San Francisco School District, where there's a lot of children who come from the high-tech industry, and they're just outraged that they are not allowed to progress beyond basic math in high school. So we'll see what the school does with that, what the court does with that. Um, John, but it's... it's a nationwide phenomenon, and parents who realize, and uh, to be blunt about it, it's often the uh, uh, Chinese, Asian, Indian, or other a- Asian, a- Asian Americans yeah, yeah. who are obsessive with pushing their kids. Uh, You know, they're tiger moms, Uh and when they are the first to realize in the canary in the coal mine that their kids are not getting the math that they need. And so they are the leaders in the communities that have a significant number of these families
1: uh John Schlafly is our guest. The Schlafly Report is available over at uh, philischlafly dot com. John, your mother, the late Phyllis Schlafly, wrote a lot about education, and she re- always she often recommended a book, Crimes of the Educators, uh which is uh, by Alex Newman and the late Max Blumenthal. Blumenthal. In that book, you get a history of how there really seemed to be a, an intentional. Yeah,
2: now, excuse me, had not Blumenthal.
1: Blumenthal. Samuel, Samuel. Oh, Samuel. Sam Sam thank you. Oh, Simon. Blumenthal. Oh, good. I don't Sam want to mess Blumenfeld. him up. Yeah, great. Thank you. Uh, By the way, his archive is his archive is over at um, our friend Hal Shirtlove's organization. But uh, I I digress, John, that history of how reading was changed and really dumbed down the American people. And when you read it, you think some people really seem to want that. They they, they want it. But what's the goal? I mean, you're not going to get math achievement if you do this system. There's no there's no doubt about that. If you take everyone and force them into a leveled math program, then no one is going to get better at math. Is it possible they don't see that or maybe say it differently? Is it is it likely that they want that? Is that something people want? I, I don't even understand how you justify it. I guess you justify it by being woke and not realizing how stupid that is.
2: Well, the liberal ideology is an ideology of uh, everyone has to be at the same level. And, uh, you know, no one can be allowed to progress faster than anybody else. That's what what it amounts to in education. and And in order to educate the gifted kids, the talented kids, the kids who have math aptitude – They have to move more rapidly into separate classes so they can go faster into advanced material. That's got to be done. And yet liberals can't stand that. Uh, They can't stand the idea that some kids reach a brick wall in mathematics and they just can't go any farther. Now, that's the reality. Now, I reached that level, to be honest, but it was in about second year in college. (laughs) And I reached a level in math where I, I realized I was out of my depth and couldn't go any farther. Most people who study math and science, you know, at some point you hit the brick wall and that's okay. But you've got to be allowed to progress as far as your talents can take you in math. And there's plenty of careers that are available to students who can, you know, at some level of advanced math, even if they don't become a Ph.D. like one of my brothers did. There's, you know, let's take, I have two nieces, for example, Phyllis Schlafly's grandchildren, who became actuaries. Now, actuaries requires, uh, you know, studying math all through college. It's not super advanced, but it it is somewhat advanced. And you have a fine career as an actuary. Now, that's an example of why it's essential that you get to move through Math, through algebra, you've got to have yeah. uh, you've got to have algebra before high school. That is the that's, blunt, that's hard, the, and fast thing. Yeah. You've got to teach <clears> algebra <throat> at least by the 8th grade. Better yet, the 7th grade. But by, if you wait <laughs> to the ninth grade, it's too late. Only, and that's reality.
1: You know, I should say, I'm the late Phyllis, late Phyllis Schlafly used to say, and uh, and, and she I, she had a, a principal, that she I think she said all of her ch- children needed to be engineers. I know, uh, uh, at least I know John is, and Andy are, and it's you, you say it like that, John, you got to get your math down here uh i agree with you and uh, the idea that the system uh, our education system is failing on that uh is uh, truly insane it's insane we're up against a, a hard stop i gotta run john schlafly everybody over at phyllis he and andy schlafly write the weekly column we'll take a break and be right back ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment welcome back welcome back it's ed martin here on the pro america report it is uh i, I tell my listeners dr lieberman that uh, some of the most uh, fun uh that i have is off the air i should turn on the mic uh uh-huh. dr carol lieberman is our next guest uh she's sort of well known her tagline is america's psychiatrist she's the host of dr carol's couch on voice of voice america.com and she also does the terrorist therapist podcast uh forensic psychiatrist and expert witness she's written four books uh and she's uh, well known we were talking that she uh was at, years ago had phyllis schlafly the late phyllis schlafly my boss on her show so welcome dr lieberman how are you today
3: thank you so much fine thank you
1: so before the the tagline that someone sent me, the headline, someone sent me to have you on to talk about who's more dangerous, the FBI or the Taliban. Now, as a psychiatrist, let me ask it a different way. Okay. It doesn't matter who's actually more dangerous. It's how we feel about them. Right. And I think the real the real problem is. I don't think most of us, and I'm, you know, I, I put myself in this category. I don't wake up and think about the Taliban every morning. Thankfully, I think we've gotten, but I do feel, and I don't feel afraid, I do feel like the FBI is, is out of control. That's how
3: I feel. And that's common.
1: How, what, what's going on here?
3: Well, you know, it's been a shift. Um, I mean, certainly closer to 9-11, we were oh, more. Yeah of the Taliban. I mean, and we were more conscious of it. Uh, You know, it was in our mind more. Um, But as time has gone by and as Biden, as we have the Obama-Biden White House, you know, yes, the FBI, the CIA, all of those guys are more... We should be more... Well, well. here's the thing. I mean, we're more aware of them and aware that we should be afraid of them, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing is that I, I've i been talking about... Well, I talk about a lot, including on my podcast, um, how people are... You know, Americans are complacent about terrorism. The Taliban, Al-Qaeda, ISIS... And they don't really think about that and, and aren't fearful of that when, in fact, <laughs> um, that re- does represent a tremendous threat as well. Uh, dr carol
1: lieberman is our guest uh, america's psychiatrist is how uh, she's described um what oh, I, I i've used this phrase and so i want to ask you but i also think it's not a good way to live um and, and the, the phrase i use is turning one of reagan's uh famous phrases on its head a little bit he used to say trust and verify when he was asked him about the soviet union and i say regarding our government our own government it's distrust and verify the the yeah. starting point is you can't trust them so you have to verify but you know thinking of it from the standpoint of human relationships if you wake up in the morning and the person you're in a relationship with say your spouse you distrust them if you go to work and you distrust your colleagues that's that's not that's not and you well i'm gonna you know i don't trust my husband or my wife but i'm gonna verify it and i will move on a long term it's not a very good uh system
3: well, you I mean, it's, it's very inconvenient to have to distrust, uh, people like a spouse and, and so or your boss or so on. But I mean, trust is earned really. And so, for example, with a, sp- a spouse, after you live with them, the more you live with them and the more you see that they really aren't doing anything deceitful or they really do love you or, you know, um, then of course your trust mm. grows. But, uh, Unfortunately, you know, every day there is some new reason why we should mistrust uh the Obama Biden White House and it is really making Americans uh be on edge. And, you know, and of course, another problem is the media. That yeah. It's not just the the White House, right. it's the media is, you know, report repeating their untruths. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Dr. Carol, uh, Lieberman, our guest, uh, voiceamerica.com is where one of her shows is. I'm looking at the link, Dr. Carol's couch. Um, so that's right. And so now that's excellent. Thank you. Uh, so I tell people I, I refer to, I'm like, I, I'm, I think I'm in therapy right now. I'm, I'm unloading all my things to you, Dr. Carol. Um, I think that, uh, I talk about the narrative machine. The narrative machine in this country right now is big government, which is, is, is actively feeding a- along with Big tech and big media and they're and they're uh, brainwashing the, the public. They're feeding us a narrative and many, many, many people. Most of us, I'll put myself in there, are, have a hard time, uh, refusing and, and, uh, and, and get, uh, getting confused. They just get the narrative and, the, and the narrative. And, and so you have, and it's not just the major ones, Russia, Russia, Russia is easy. It's, it's in general. And, and I'll give you one example. More people talk about Donald Trump as kind of Hitler. Even me saying it out loud is probably dumb, but you're like, I, you look at it, and you say, where, what are you, what are you basing on? They don't have a real answer, but it's how they've been told and the narrative has been fed to them and i i don't know if we can beat that that the power of the narrative machine right now looks unbeatable
3: well yes in terms of like the average person's day-to-day life they're getting these wrong narratives from all over the place newspapers radio uh television most channels on television in any case um so yes, you know chances are they're going to be co- coming across the wrong uh media outlet and the wrong narrative um than the right one. But people have to dig deeper. Um you know we are in such danger. It it's it's just gets more unbelievable with every day. Um you know the, the I mean just take yesterday um the uh, how Biden Uh, commemorated or didn't, uh, 9-11. He commemorated it by giving money to Iran, the biggest sponsor of terrorism. Mm -hmm. Um, he, you know, he, he did it in uh, from Alaska. Uh, he wasn't even, he was the first president to not meet, be at one of the sites, one of the attack sites. Um, and on and on, you know, it's really all led by Obama, but they are cozying up, cozying up to terrorists that he is, he has, when he was running, In 2020, I talked about how he has encroaching dementia. I was trying to warn people. Well, it has done a lot more encroaching since then. (laughs) And um, he is just an embarrassment. Yes. And so is is. But how? I mean, I
1: guess one thing to ask you is um, it's so clearly a problem with him and it's not clear with other people, but that's just life. Right. And that's the, the intensity of the job
3: that that the intensity of job made him
1: no no it didn't make him but i mean you know you, you can't put you don't have you don't have, you know if someone's got a uh, i've got a friend who's got is a back surgeon he's got it but he, he's now in his 60s i think he's got a tremor well you can't do back surgery if you have a tremor like i mean you know i mean that's not a thing you do if at a certain point you don't have the ability to do a hard job you can't do a hard job but some people i mean my point is that you haven't heard we haven't heard yet that trump is old too because trump doesn't look like he has any of these problems
3: Right. It's that's why I really try to emphasize it is not about age per se. Right. Um, and, you know, yes, Trump is just a few years younger than Biden, but it's, you know, people there are people who are 80 and 90 and 100 who do have. Fortunately, all their marbles don't have some kind of medical uh, problem that is causing them to, you know, not be able to their brain not to work. Right. Um, So it's not about age. But, you know, with Biden, he had uh, he had two aneurysms years ago and two brain aneurysms and he had a brain bleed and Mm. um, and he had and he's currently on and I think has been for years um on medication for an arrhythmia hmm. for atrial fibrillation which is something that can cause um strokes and and before strokes uh transient ischemic attacks hmm. so you know there uh, his dementia is prime and i can't know for sure without having examined him but th- i mean that's the thing he needs to go to to a, a, neur- a neurologist uh, first of all to take take one of these tests that i was offering to give them a cognitive hmm test, but then go to a neurologist and do all the tests, you know, MRIs, PET scans, um, just all kinds of tests to find out what kind of dementia he has. Uh, I'm saying that I think the likeliest is vascular dementia because of all his vascular problems. But in a, whatever kind of dementia, it kind of doesn't matter in a way. It just matters that he gets out of that job. And now he's, of course, now he's trying to fight the impeachment. And I mean, right. and it's not really Biden. I mean, yes, he likes being president, but. It's not just Biden; it's yeah. Obama who wants to keep him in that. Right, spot.
1: right. I because agree. He
3: wants to be able to manipulate him. He's Biden is the puppet, and and Obama is pulling the strings.
1: Especially when it comes to all the staff, All the key staffers are are, are exactly right. Are uh, are Obama ones. All right, I got to run, Doctor Lieberman. Thank you, Doctor Carol Lieberman. I'll put up links. I'm up to a, a stop. I've got to uh, wrap it up. I'll make sure to put links to her websites and her podcasts. Uh, she's great. We'll have her back again very soon. We'll take a quick break and be. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report back in a moment.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly.
4: Moving quietly, without any publicity, is a plan to change how U.S. presidents are elected. It would bypass the procedures spelled out in the U.S. Constitution, which has been used successfully for over two centuries. The Constitution prescribes how we elect our presidents. It is a mirror image of the Great Compromise designed by the Constitutional Convention of 1787, which brought together the large and small states, by means of a National Congress with the House based on population and the Senate based on state sovereignty. Likewise, when the presidential electors meet in gatherings called the Electoral College, each state's vote is equal to the sum of its House and Senate representation in Congress. Our Founding Fathers understood that America is a nation of both we the people and a federal system of states, so it allows all states, regardless of size, to be players in electing our president. The plan to change this system is called National Popular Vote. It is a scheme to deviously bypass the grand design of our U.S. Constitution and the Electoral College. These people are sending high-paid lobbyists around the country to persuade state legislatures to adopt this plan. These lobbyists are trying to get state legislatures to enact identical laws requiring their own state's presidential electors to ignore the winner of their own state's presidential election and instead cast all their state's votes for the candidate whom the politicians estimate received the most popular votes nationwide. If these lobbyists can get enough states, they will be able to steal votes away from some candidates, transfer those votes to another candidate, and thereby construct a fake majority to elect our president. You might say it is legalized vote-stealing. Tell your state legislators to reject this un-American plan.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. If you're busy taking notes, you can stop now, because these commentaries in written form and spoken audio are archived on the website phyllisschlafly.com, many recorded by Mrs. Schlafly herself. If you're doing research or missed a day, just go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and re-listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we've got to check in on an issue, and um, I almost feel funny about this, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to laugh as I'm saying it. Uh, my, My old reliable is Todd Bensman when it comes to immigration, and you should rely on that, too. He's the senior national security fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. He's a real star. He's really talented. He's my friend now. He's written two books on the subject. He's just amazing. And he's who tells me what for and how to understand the border. I I don't uh, shy away from I don't uh, depart from that. When I see something about national security, I, I ask him, right? I, I have him on this show quite frequently. So, you know, if you if you're listening to Ed Martin's Pro-America Report, you're going to get an update from the border and from the on the issues of immigration. It's always from Todd Bensman at Todd at Bensman Todd on Twitter. Tad Todd, Todd Bensman dot com is his website. I know all those by heart because I rely on him so much. So I feel a little funny. There's another guy that does a lot of work on the border, Bill Malugin. He's at Fox, uh Fox News, Fox News Channel. And so I, I don't want to don't tell Todd if you if you talk to him that I'm quoting Bill. Uh, but I do watch Bill's Twitter feed. He's also down at the border. And for if for a year and a half, Todd Benzman's been saying, hey, the border is a problem. Bill Malugin has started to say in the last, say, six months, uh more uh, Fox News has probably let him talk about it. And so he's down there. So he's got and he's got sources. He's he's working. Uh, he's a working journalist. Um, you know, uh, Bensman is actually a policy guy as well as an investigative journalist. Um, so he's reporting a lot, but he's also doing a lot of research, writing books. Malugin's a reporter, and so Malugin's got sources too. He says, and so does uh, uh Bensman. Todd does, of course, too. But Malugin's got a tweet from a few days ago where he says. Per CBP, uh, customs border patrol sources yesterday alone, border patrol appreh- appreh- apprehended over 7,400 illegal immigrants at the southern border. And, re- and when combined with the ports of entry, there were over 9,100 migrant encounters in one day. So he said, then on uh, uh, next, I'm told that they released 5,000 plus yesterday with a notice to appear. As of this morning, CBP has over 21,000 people in custody. Now, this is one day. This is one day, everybody. Th- this is the point here. We're not talking about, we are not talking about, say, uh, I don't know, um, a week, a month. The numbers that come out in the week and a month, you can't trust them. Th- that We've been taught, and Todd Benzman taught us, that they're lying about it. They, they're lying. They're telling you different things. This is this is a uh, 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 malugian sources on one day, one day, nine over nine thousand migrant encounters, at least five thousand released into the states with a quote notice to appear, which, you know, it's like 80 percent. They never appear. You know, it's come two years from now, come to a hearing and they're like, OK, talk to you later. So this is what's happening in the country. This is what's happening at our border. And it's an onslaught. Now, it gets even more interesting because uh, in terms of the the uh, uh, who's understanding, I would tell you that Benzman and the Center for Immigration Studies has been slogging in the fields on this issue. I often ask him one of my questions to Todd is, hey, why don't people cover this? And he's always like, well, you know, I don't know. I'm hoping the more cover Well, now more are covering it. More people are paying attention. Malujan's tweet on Twitter has gotten 14.2 million views. 14.2 million views. And here's the kicker. The reason why it's so high. It was retweeted early on Thursday by Elon Musk. And Elon Musk's question was, is the public aware of the scale of the issue? And now it's exploded. My point here is... The, the 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 months and months, years of toiling that Todd Benzman and others have done, and we've done our part in the Pro-America Report, is going to yield fruit now. And you may not see the straight line. You may not say, oh, there it is. Uh, Elon Musk is asking, is the public aware of the scale of the issue? That's because you guys kept this issue alive. Ah, no one's going to ever give us that credit. No one's going to ever give us that credit exactly. But here's the thing. the The reality is that's what's happening. The reality is that's the um, the the chain of uh, events, the course of events um, that has happened that got us to this point. So. But I don't really care how we got here. I don't think Todd Benzman cares. Uh, He likes to sell his book and he likes to, but he's he could make a lot more money doing a lot of other things. He's so talented. He's doing the things that he believes in. And so uh, neither one of us is saying, oh, we were waiting for someone to do a parade that said Benzman was right. And here was one of the followers along the way. No, what we need is for the country, for the country to survive. We need, we need to have people understand what's going on we need to have people be aware of what is going on that that is that is um the breakthrough here that's the breakthrough that's so important that I hope is going to continue um I hope that's going to become a part of what is uh is happening broadly speaking because we've got to get more eyes on this and on the issue and when we do as uh musk doesn't have to say is the public when he says is the public aware he doesn't have to say the next line which is when the public's aware they are going to be upset. When the public realizes the scope of this issue, they are going to be upset. They are going to have a reaction to it. They are going to have a significant reaction, and hopefully... You know, you take the Daniel uh, Cavalcanti illegal immigrant who uh, killed his girlfriend, escaped from jail, and was uh, uh, for a day or two uh, uh, driving the people of Pennsylvania crazy because he was on the run. You get a couple more of these. We're putting these together in a way that people don't have to overthink what's happening. They know the policy of open border is chaos for our community. They see it and they feel it. And that's a big deal. That's a breakthrough that's a breakthrough um and uh so uh good job bill Malugin. good job todd Benzman. and uh thank you america for paying attention let's get to the bottom let's get to the we know the bottom of this but let's get it all exposed and get things fixed it's got to be fixed seal the border i said it yesterday seal the border pause all immigration and then let's have our policy for what we want there you go and that's The end of the program. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Ryan Hyde and Mason Mohan producing. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll talk to you then.